0: I'm Aubrey Henderson, I'm a recovering people pleaser turned self-worth coach, here to help you befriend your inner critic, break up with people pleasing, and reconnect with your desire. Every week I share my answers to your questions, live coaching sessions, interviews, and more to help you reconnect with your self-worth. Have you ever felt stuck in your life and just needed a really fucking good pep talk? Well, babe, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Howdy, y'all. So on this week's episode, I want to talk about something that is on my mind almost all the time, just continuously, and that a ton of my work centers around, and that is a belief that I hold that I want to share with you, that asking for what you need does not make you selfish. So I'll say that one more time. Asking for what you need does not make you selfish. Selfish. Now it's it's a straightforward sentence and you know this for some I have been told that this is a pretty simple concept. But for others and if you're like me, this is a radical notion. This is something that is like a complete paradigm shift from, you know, again if you're anything like me, this is a paradigm shift from kind of what I grew up believing and knowing about myself. And so to really kind of internalize this belief has been a lot of important and mindful work and shifting in my mindset and so you know I'm someone who walked around for a large portion of my life feeling like if I made my needs known if I asked for what I needed or what I wanted that I would be a bother that I would be a nuisance that I was being a bitch that I was being too needy um, or too high maintenance if I asked for what I needed and so you know, I look back now and it makes me really fucking sad. And I talk to people who experience this in the same way that I did. And again, this is not, just to be clear, this is not something that I have like eradicated from my life. It's, it's a thought pattern that I still really struggle with. And so I want to talk today about kind of where this belief comes from and then how we can notice it showing up for us, how we can notice the ways that it sort of infiltrates in our life and ultimately how we can combat it and start to kind of do the work to deprogram that belief. So, you know, to start, I will just say, I, we've talked here about people-pleasing before. And in many ways, th- this idea of subverting our own needs, of not sharing our own needs because we feel that there'll be too much for others, is kind of like a core tenet of people-pleasing. So, you know, people-pleasers, we, and again, when I talk about people-pleasers, I'm talking about me too. So just to be clear, I'm not talking about them as this other group of people. It's like a group that I'm part of. Um... So we have this lie that we tell ourselves as people pleasers that we don't have needs at all, which is laughable. Everybody has needs. We're all human. But that we don't have needs at all so that we are like extra chill or low maintenance or easy to please or, you know, if you just ever hear somebody say like, oh, you know, I don't we can do whatever we can go wherever I'm easy. And so, you know, just this idea of like we want to be easy for other people to be around, easy for other people to care for and not like require too much from them. And so folks who are engaging in this people-pleasing behavior are showing up in our relationships with the hopes of being sort of a light lift on the people around us. Like the best thing you can say to a people-pleaser is something like, oh, you're so easy to talk to or you're such a good listener Or things like, um, you know, I don't deserve you. You're so patient with me. Like, even when I'm terrible, you're still like, you don't mind. Things like that. And so, those things, which are said by well meaning people who are trying to be appreciative, those things further reinforce this idea that we are good. So, our goodness, our worth comes when we don't require very much of the people around us. Okay. And so, These kinds of things get reinforced over and over, but surprise, in reality, we do actually have needs. We are still human people, so we have needs just like any other human does, but what we do with those, we do one of two things, so the first option is that we are focused so deeply, okay? We are so laser-focused on making other people happy that we literally just lose touch with or disconnect from our own desires and needs because we are so deeply focused on others. We lose track of our own desires or we haven't lost track. We're still aware, but we, we are lying to ourselves. We're just blatantly lying to ourselves or we kind of become a little bit delusional about our own needs. We pretend they aren't there. We willfully ignore them. Um, we ignore kind of the signs and symptoms of our needs not being met. And so then what happens next? Well, resentment builds. Um, So as we are, as people pleasers kind of constantly checking in with others, seeing what other people need, um, being super emotionally attuned to other people, being very accommodating to the people around us, you know, no one is asking us what we need. Or more realistically, they are asking us what we need, but we're responding saying things like, oh, no, no, I'm totally fine. Don't, you know, don't worry about me. And they believe us because why wouldn't they, right? We're saying, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. And reason, a reasonable person would say, okay, you're fine. They said they're fine. Um, but really the reality is inside as, as people pleasers, we are dying for somebody to see through that. Okay, so like what we ultimately long for deep down, and some folks are aware of this, some folks less so, but what we're really longing for is for someone to see through that, to see through the bullshit, to see all that we do for others and see how much we've committed to kind of taking care of the people around us and how much we've sacrificed. It's like this very quite dramatic thing. And to say like, "No, Aubrey, I know you're not fine and I'm going to take care of you, just like you take care of everyone else around you." So this very like kind of what sounds like a very over-the-top like romanticized thing is kind of the fantasy of the people pleaser right that they won't have to ask to get their needs met that someone else will see how we kind of overtly kind of lavish care and nurture and all this stuff on other people and take that as an indicator that we need the same thing and that that that's how we'll get our needs met is by demonstrating this and not actually saying what we need okay so that's kind of the people-pleaser's fantasy. That's what we're going for. And so, you know, they'll they'll guess what we need um, because we guess what others need all the time. So someone else will guess what we need, they'll intuit it, um, and they'll rescue us from ourselves. So what's also wild about this is that often this is healing an inner child wound for us. So... What that means is that oftentimes um, people pleasers become the way that we are because we learn early on that the way that we earn affection or even for some people pleasers, maybe as kids, they, they learned that they had to earn basic caregiving or basic kind of protection from their caregivers um, was to be helpful or to be nurturing or even kind of like ingratiating to get your basic needs met. So the way that I get my needs met, the way someone cares for me is that I show up and I'm helpful around the house and I become indispensable. And so, you know, people need to care for me. And that's how I'm going to get my needs met. And that often starts for people in childhood. And so, you know, this manifests itself as, you know, as an adult, often as somebody who is a people pleaser, who's going to care for other people, who's never going to name that they have a need because that would be too much because the way that they got their needs met wasn't asking for it. It was demonstrating, you know, that they will meet the needs of others and then consequently someone else will meet their need. So we continue to play this out as adults. And the really wild thing about this is that, you know, very often, um, even as we've gotten so out of touch with our desires and our feelings, you know, many people pleasers are aware that we, we do want this recognition. We want someone to just notice that we are caring for everybody else. We want somebody to notice and not because we don't want to take care of others but because we're taking care of others for a reason and it's to try to kind of, um, you know, sneakily get our own needs met. So we want this recognition, this acknowledgement, this care. We know we want it and we know we need it but the last fucking thing we ever want to do is ask for it. So to just ask for it plainly to say, Hey, you know, I've spent a lot of time, you know, um, giving you some, some care and some some nurturing and support, and I'm happy to do that, but I could really use some support from you. That is the last thing that a people pleaser wants to do a lot of the time, at least somebody who's kind of early on and recognizing that this is the pattern they're playing out. It's a very scary thing to do. And, you know, I've, in my experience, I've found this to be generally a really super gendered thing so something that a vast majority of the women i know really struggle with and you know i think it's it it's true along a lot of lines it's not a thing that only women um you know folks who identify as women struggle with but i do think a lot of this is you know this caregiver socialization that i feel like a lot of women have have been given or experienced as we're kind of inundated with these very like more old fashioned or like binary gender roles. So, you know, it's, it's this same idea that the women receive that making yourself small and being quiet and low maintenance is better. Um, But ultimately a lot of this too is that, is this idea that if you don't have a lot of needs, if you don't require very much, it also makes you less likely to be rejected And I think that's what's underneath a ton of this. And this is, you know, regardless of gender, this is kind of across the board. It's none of us want to be rejected. And so if I don't tell someone what I need and they aren't doing it, so if I don't tell them and they aren't doing what I haven't told them to do, then I can blame myself. I can be pissed at myself. I can hate myself for not making my needs known or not caring enough about them or not kind of demonstrating my care enough for them to return the favor, right? I can't be mad at them, or I guess I can, but it, you know, makes kind of, there's less of a logical through line there. But if I ask someone for what I need, if I ask them for it and they don't do it, then what if that, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean they don't love me? Does that mean that You know, they love me, but only to a certain amount. Will it make them not loving me anymore? What if I ask for what I need and they leave me because of it, right? And they outright reject me and they leave me and then I'm alone. So maybe better to just not ask for what I need and then, you know, try to send them psychic messages or messages kind of through my behavior and hope that they get it. And listen, these are real things, Okay. Um, th- none of this is me dismissing this as like this is fake and doesn't make sense. Like it's real. I've lived it. It's real. It is scary as shit. So I totally get it. And I get it because I still struggle with this. So as much work and unlearning as I've done, as I've, you know, worked to do, I still have to very consciously pay attention to this narrative in my brain because it's still there. It still shows up for me all the time. And especially from my kind of unconscious brain, this like inner voice that will just spout stuff, you know, that comes from all kinds of places, right? It comes from my own childhood experiences. It comes from my trauma. It comes from kind of everything that I've lived through and like the many different lenses I look through at my life, okay? And so it's not going to just go away because I decide I don't want to live through that frame anymore. So it is still there for me. So I get it. And kind of moving away from this pattern is scary because it's unknown. But to me, when you really believe that asking for what you need is a healthy relationship behavior, so when you really believe that asking for what you need is a healthy relationship behavior, that this is an act of self-care, that this is a way of nurturing yourself and that it is a way of increasing communication in your relationships. Once you believe that, then shit is going to begin to shift for you, my friend. I promise that it will. Even having that mental shift, even before you start doing anything, shifting that belief changes things for you in a very real way. And so, you know, when you you believe that it's not just okay for you to ask for what you need. But when when you believe that it is healthy and good to tell your partner what you need, you are actually setting your relationship up for success. And so part of this is trusting that your partner or your friend or your family member, whoever it is, I mean, this doesn't just go for romantic relationships, right? This is kind of across the board. But when you start doing this, when you start, when you start, being willing to ask for what you need when you start seeing that as a positive action a healthy action um you know you're going to want to start that out with somebody who you you have some trust with you have to you have to be able to trust that the person that you're you're making this ask of especially for the first time or the first few times you have to trust that that person is actually going to hear you that they're going to honor what you're sharing because right what we've talked about so much of why this is scary is the fear that oh my god i'm going to get rejected So maybe first time out the gate that you're practicing this, you don't go to somebody that you're pretty sure is going to reject you. You might start out with somebody who's more of a sure thing, somebody who you have a ton of trust with, somebody who, you know, has been supportive of you in the past. And this is going to be different for everybody, but starting with a person that you have a ton of trust with when you're practicing this, just to see how it feels, you know, somebody who feels safe, somebody who's going to get it. And starting there, practicing asking for what you need. And even in, you know, for, for some people, the people pleasing is like it kind of permeates into every area of your life. So if you're somebody who literally like asking somebody, you know, if you can, I'm trying to think of like what the most like subtle thing you could ask. Like if you're listening to music in the car and it's way too loud and it's hurting your ears and you would never even dream of saying, hey, can we can we turn the volume down like a couple clicks? Like if that feels outrageous to you, then start like start there. Start with something that feels manageable, not like, hey, I'd like to renegotiate the whole terms of our relationship maybe. Um, But starting with something that feels manageable, doing this in little ways and noticing how it feels And then working up from there, working up to the things that feel like they might be higher stakes as you've kind of built up some experience in naming your needs and in getting comfortable with that and building up some evidence that you can you can ask for that. And it's going to be okay. A lot of the time people want to be able to meet your needs. You know, the people who love you and who are in relationships with you will view you making your needs known as a gift. And so that's really important to remember, that you're you're giving them information that's going to help them love you better. And so when you think about it that way, then it really becomes easier to think about this as kind of like a very healthy thing you can do for your relationships and for yourself. But let me be absolutely clear when I say that the other piece of this, it's not just trusting that the other person you know, will meet you where you are and accept what you're saying and rise to the occasion and will will help to meet your needs and that hopefully that happens way more often than not and I do believe that folks often are willing to kind of you know show up and try to meet our needs as best as they can but another part of this is trusting that if you make your needs known and you tell someone bravely what it is that you need or what you want and that they just flat out reject you or they laugh at you or you know, they leave you. They say thanks, but no thanks. Not going to do that. It's over. And they leave. It's believing that if those things happen, if kind of the worst case scenario, the worst fear about asking for what you need comes true and you're rejected, that you can survive it. Okay. It's believing that making your needs known, that sharing what you need and speaking that truth and putting it plainly for somebody that even if they're not willing to meet your needs, that your needs weren't going to get met anyway, and at least you spoke up, at least you said something, at least you honored yourself, and you will survive, that it will hurt, you will feel probably sad or angry, that it will be painful, it will feel like a slap in the face, but that you'll make it. And honestly, like if you want my God's honest opinion about it, that person who hears what you need and is like peace out or is like nope not doing it that person's probably not one of your people that doesn't mean they're a bad person what you're asking for might not work for them might not work for their individual boundaries or their life you know that's not to say that every single thing that you're ever going to ask for is going to jive with what someone else can give you but if that person's not able to kind of rise to meet what you need out of a relationship well then it wasn't It wasn't the right relationship. And so I tend to believe that making your needs known similar to setting boundaries. I mean, to me, it's just another way of saying you're setting boundaries is a great filter. It is a great filter because it separates people who will truly support you, who want to support you in the way that you want to feel supported, who want to love and nurture and care for you in the way that you want to be loved and nurtured and cared for. It separates those people from the people who were benefiting from you not having boundaries all along from the people who were benefiting from you not making your needs known and the minute that you do it doesn't work for them and whether it's conscious or unconscious maybe it's you know not malicious but it's it separates out those people who you know are really going to work for you to be in relationship with versus people who are not Y'all, we have a listener question that I wanted to answer. This was submitted um, via Instagram. And so I wanted to share that um, on this episode because it does loosely kind of relate to the topic we've been talking about, this idea of, you know, asking for what we need and what can happen when we do that and all that. So I do think that this topic um, is going to be meaningful to the person who asked this question. And so, you know, I wanted to share that question here as well as my response. So... This person writes, how can a person just end a long-term relationship and marry someone else right away? So I'll read it one more time. How can a person just end a long-term relationship and marry someone else right away? So this is a brief question, but it packs a lot of emotion in here and just a lot of stuff. And so first of all, this is undeniably such a painful thing to experience. So I'm assuming that you are, you know, a person that, you know, someone ended a relationship with you and then went on and married someone else very soon after. And I have not experienced that, but I can only imagine that that's so fucking hard. Um, And I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Uh, What I also would just want to say is like, you know, you kind of ask, how could someone do that? Um, And I, you know, I just want to say people leave relationships for all kinds of reasons. And, this is a really important thing for us to remember is that, you know, it's true of all romantic relationships, friendships, pretty much any relationship. I guess, you know, family of origin might be slightly different. But for the most part, the thing that makes relationships so special and so meaningful is that both parties participating in the relationship are choosing to do so. So if it was an obligation, it would it would just not be as meaningful. This idea that, you know, if you if you had to be there it doesn't mean the same thing as if you're constantly choosing to show up. And so this also means that relationships are kind of the perfect storm of a place for us to experience a ton of hurt because we are especially vulnerable to it. You know, because by showing up in a relationship over and over, we are telling someone repeatedly, I pick you. You know, by showing up to be someone's friend, by continuing to be someone's partner, significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, we are we are saying I pick you as my person. And there is always the chance that they won't pick you back or that they'll stop picking you, right? And this hurts when it happens. So I would not dare discount that as I respond to this question because I you know, while I have not been in this exact position, I have felt heartbreak. I have felt rejection and you know the pain of that and it is hard and I feel for you and I also you know I can't tell you why someone might make the choice to end a long-term relationship or how um you know or make the choice to enter another one so soon after because there are as many different reasons for doing that as there are people you know everybody has sort of their own combination of experiences that that inform their decisions um so short of asking that person directly you you might not be able to get an answer to to why um and i mean i would be remiss if i didn't say like if it's safe or it feels tolerable or doable for you to ask that person directly like i think you're within your rights to do so um but just being mindful of like whatever risk might come with that for you or if that feels like emotionally safe for you to do but to me i'm more worried about you taking care of you And I think when you're taking care of you in the wake of feeling this rejection, experiencing this rejection, then kind of the the why of the breakup, and especially when someone else chose to break up with us, somebody else made that choice, then this big question of why can be the thing that we cling to, you know, in order to, to kind of fix it or to find something that was wrong within ourselves that we need to to fix or rectify or something that about ourselves that we need to change fundamentally to in order to win that person back or you know you know I got to fix this thing about me if I'm ever going to find someone else to love me and that is not the way at least that's what I believe that's not the way and what I'm not saying to be clear what I'm not saying is that you know because you are a person who listens to my podcast and I have immense love and care for you that you can never be in the wrong in a relationship. I am not saying that. Or that your behaviors and choices can never be what contributes to a relationship ending or can never play a role or be a factor in that. That's also not what I'm saying. We all have responsibilities. We all, you know, have our part to play and relationships are, you know, a two-way street or as many, as many parties are involved, that many way street. <laughs> but, you know, those things can all still be true and yet, A relationship ending does not have to mean there is something wrong with you. So you can have made choices that, you know, or like have had misalignments with someone else, have, you know, grown apart from someone else, but someone else choosing to end a relationship with you does not mean there is something wrong with you. And what it means on the most, you know, fundamental level is that the person who has chosen to end the relationship has a need or a desire that wasn't being met in the relationship. And in this case, that they could be seeking it elsewhere potentially. Right? You know, it could also mean that there was a need or a desire or a condition that that you expressed or that another party expressed in the relationship that they couldn't meet or weren't willing to meet. And so they chose to end the relationship at that point. Of course, this is all like oversimplification. This is, you know, I, have no, I don't know the details of this this situation that I know is, is really personal for you. And so, of course, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and apply what feels like it fits. But a relationship ending is not an indictment on you, okay? It's not an indictment on your worth. And, you know, at, at a really high level, I just think that unmet desires, unmet needs, misalignment are the things that lead to relationships ending, not there being something wrong with any individual person. So none of those things mean that you're unworthy. None of those things mean that you don't deserve having your needs met now or ever. Right? They don't mean that you aren't good enough. They don't mean that you aren't anything enough. You simply are enough and there isn't, you know, there isn't like a yardstick that you should be measuring yourself against. And I know that that's, that's difficult to say, presumably when... You know, you feel like somebody has left a long-term relationship and jumped right into another one. But things are complex. And I would just really urge you to not, you know, have this, create meaning out of this that you're not something enough. And even if somebody has said that explicitly to you, they are wrong. They're wrong. You are worthy simply because you are a person. You are enough simply because you are a human person. And you are always growing and you are always evolving and letting an experience of pain or rejection turn us inward with, you know, hatred and unworthiness towards ourselves is not, is not the way to heal. And so that doesn't mean that this doesn't feel unfair. That doesn't mean that this doesn't hurt. But being able to choose the terms of when we enter a relationship and when we leave are what make relationships special, okay? And so if you were writing to me and you were saying, Aubrey, I'm unhappy in my relationship and I want to leave. What do I do? I Sure, I would probably encourage you to communicate with your partner about why. So they're not left asking questions of like, how can somebody do this? Why would they do this? Right? But I would also remind you that it's okay to leave if you want to. Okay. It's okay to leave if you want to. And you know, we have to apply that to our relationship. Someone else gets to leave the relationship just like you get to leave the relationship. The only reason that someone needs to be able to stop participating in a relationship is the desire to stop participating. You can leave because you want to. And so now for you, you know, to the the person who wrote this question, the healing work for you here is going to be reconciling how this betrayal has made you feel. Okay? So, purely how it has made you feel, whether it's hurt, whether it's anger, whether it's confusion, reconciling those feelings and kind of recovering from the pain of that, but also not personalizing it, right? Not experiencing this as an indictment on your worthiness. And this is going to be hard work, but I promise you that it is work that is worth doing. I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson. And I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty bad. Or you can send a good old fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time.